Coming up on This Week in Games, we have Q1 earnings, a standalone VR showdown is brewing, and Atari wants to crowdfund a console? What? Coming up This Week in Games. Hello, I'm Eric McConnell, and welcome to This Week in Games, where I break down all the video game industry goodness for you. And let's get started. We have a big week. Atari officially announces the VCS, and it's crowdfunded? So, Atari has been rumored to make this Atari box for a while, and they finally announced it as the Atari VCS, and it's looking to launch on the crowdfunding campaign platform Indiegogo. Very strange. I don't even know. I don't know where to begin. So let's just go over high-level specs. The VCS is able to run 4K HDR at 60 frames per second. Okay, but there's some red flags with all of this. I don't. They haven't really said whether the game box will stream, download games, or maybe do partial streaming of games. But it looks like it'll be downloading games, and then you'll play them after they download it. So red flag number one, Atari hasn't announced a single confirmed title yet. But red flag number two, it says in quotes, it has many popular modern titles. You know, when no one can name a specific title, but it actually says popular modern titles, to me it seems like these titles won't be popular, nor will they be modern. And then some more kind of sad information is the retail price is estimated at Kind of 250 to 300 dollars, but the Indiegogo campaign has the device available at 200 dollars. What kind of box plays 4K HDR games at 60 frames per second and can play any kind of modern title? Think about any PC title for 200 dollars, 4K HDR 60 frames a second. Something doesn't add up. 200 dollars is way, way, way too low for what they're promising. So, ugh. But let's get back to the Indiegogo part. Imagine if, like, Valve put Steam boxes up on Indiegogo. Like, think about how bizarre this is. Atari should have millions of dollars. They hold a lot of, like, patents and copyright to famous, like, game industry things. And, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. (sighs) Atari, this is pretty bad. (laughs) But uh, I guess we'll all find out in the future where this goes. Next up, we have the Oculus Go, the Lenovo Mirage Solo, and basically I'm just going to go over the state of VR and why it's such a cluster. So the Oculus Go releases, and it's kind of like a midpoint um, in VR. It's $200, and it's one-fourth the price of like, you know, the highest end we have the HTC Pro, HTC Vibe Pro. I think that was $800. That's the highest end, but the best experience. And on the absolute lowest end, you have Google Cardboard, where you just put your phone into well, a piece of cardboard. And kind of the Oculus Go is the first standalone Oculus offering that doesn't require a PC or phone to run. Like, it just runs on its own. You don't have to connect anything else to it. It's its own separate console, okay? And this brings us to kind of what's wrong with VR right now? So when you think of VR, you have multiple different 
I guess, iterations of what VR is. You have headsets that either utilize a phone or actually require you to insert a phone into a headset. You have headsets that are standalone, like the Oculus Go and the new uh, Daydream headset that I'll go over in a second. And then you have headsets that require a PC or console, like the PlayStation VR or the before-mentioned HTC Vive Pro. On top of that, there's different controllers for each of these. Some, re- some come with one controller, some come with two controllers, one for each hand, and even more important, um, whether they have third-party or kind of like separate sensors for motion tracking for the hands and the headset. Because without these separate sensors, the tracking is much more limited and scaled back. So, your developer, which VR specifications do you develop for? And that's the problem with VR right now is like, do you go the lowest in? Do you go, hey, I'm going to develop for everything for Google Cardboard and up and try to catch, cast the widest net and catch as many fish as I can, the net being platforms and the fish being, I guess, money? Or do you try to make the most compelling, best experience you can and hope that limiting it to just maybe the HTC Vibe Pro, um, maybe the highest in Oculus Rift, you're making the best thing you can, but you're limited to just like power end users, you know? And so this is the problem. And then we didn't even get to tracking or controllers, like what controllers is head tracking or hand tracking integral to um, gameplay mechanics? Because if they are, then you you can't have the, the platform or you can't have the game on platforms that don't have very sensitive tracking. So like... Things that, you know, like the original Google Daydream or Google Cardboard or some of the older Oculuses can't, you know, track as well. So you can't have an integral part of gameplay mechanics be the tracking. So, you know, we're trying to, we're kind of just in this still weird iteration of is the dust going to settle? What's going to happen? What is going to be the default VR experience? Is it going to be the HTC Vive Pro? Is it going to be these standalone systems that are cheaper but don't provide all the bells and whistles of the higher-end systems? Is it going to be the super low-end systems? You know, is everybody going to say, okay, well, everyone owns a phone, so we're going to develop for this lowest um, hurdle to jump over, just phone VR, you know? And the dust hasn't settled, and now it kind of it kind of makes things even worse that you have companies like Oculus kind of shotgunning products to the market where they have developer tier, they have high-end tier, and now they're having standalone, like, easy-to-access tier models, but they're not all in sync with each other. And, you know, as a developer, it's pretty hard to think about where to go from here with VR. And so... I'm afraid everyone's waiting for the dust to settle to decide what VR specifications are, you know, default. And that AR or some other platform is just going to steamroll this in because the VR kind of experience can't get itself together. So let's cover the rest of the VR news. We have the Lenovo Mirage Solo. That's a mouthful, but just think of it as the Google Daydream standalone headset. So Google Daydream now has a standalone headset, blah, 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 the Lenovo Mirage Solo. It actually comes in at twice the cost of the Oculus Go. So it's at $400. Oculus Go is at $200. And they announced that they're officially taking orders days after the Oculus Go was announced. So it's kind of like 
it looks like Facebook cut Google off at the knees. So we'll have to see how both of these do. You know, maybe these are the future. I would like this price point and these standalone kind of offerings to be the future because, frankly, paying $800 and requiring a beast of a computer to play VR is very limiting. But on the flip side, just inserting your phone into, like, you know, the Samsung uh, VR offering also isn't compelling enough for people to jump in the VR bandwagon. So I'd really like to see both of these do well, and we'll have to see what happens. So continuing with Google News, Arcade is announced by Google. Arcade is a social gaming startup within Google. So Arcade is being developed in Area 120. That's a division of Google where kind of employees can pitch and create startups within Google, but still part of the major Google ecosystem in hopes that they actually do become a standalone product that kind of Google puts its support behind. So Arcade is led by Michael Saman. He's a 21-year-old at Google. That's pretty ridiculous. He's the youngest PM at Google. He was the creator of Forsnap, which is a game that was really popular, I think, 2013-ish. And he recently left Facebook, where he was also the youngest, whatever he did at Facebook, to join Google. So this is pretty interesting that Google is putting a bunch of gaming uh, faith and resources behind this 21-year-old prodigy. And yeah, let's see where this goes. So next up, more gaming news from these tech giants. Facebook turns on in-app purchases for instant games. So if you guys remember, instant games is Facebook's messaging platform. Um, The games on the messaging platform, that is. And so Facebook Messenger games will now support in-app purchases. (laughs) The revenue split will be the standard, you know, 70-30, 70% the developer, 30% the Facebook, but there is a catch and this catch is pretty bad so the catch is on mobile the facebook's 30 percent cut comes after google plays or apple ios's app store 30 percent cut so your game makes i don't know your game makes a hundred dollars you give thirty dollars to google play you get seventy dollars but then um because it was a messenger game you now have to give another thirty percent to Facebook. So you then give whatever, I don't know, what's 30% of $70? Who knows? Let's say $22. So you're giving $22 to Facebook on top of the $30 you already gave to Google Play. Now you're under 50% of what you made. So that's a tough pill to swallow for developers. And I don't know if people are going to really put resources towards something where they're getting kind of uh, charged twice for the same thing. So we'll have to see how this turns out. And finally, this is pretty interesting. The game service company Utomic officially launches. So and kind of the Utomic. Okay. Utomic has been in beta since February and Utomic will launch a $6.99 and a $9.99 a month service. And what it is, is it allows you to play games from a list of libraries. I guess the metaphor everyone tries to pitch is Netflix for games. However, Utomic is very interesting because so most of these services do cloud gaming where the game is spun up on a remote machine. It streams the images to your kind of TV or computer. You stream the inputs back to the remote machine. They play the game with the inputs you sent back and then send the new image. And, you know, you're just streaming back and forth. Utomic is different in that 
basically it downloads the minimum it needs to play like the title screen or something. And then we hit play, it's downloading the minimum it needs to play the first level of the game. And so you're kind of just streaming the game chunk by chunk, but you're holding what you need to play the game on your machine rather than it being a remote machine streaming the visual. So you're still, your machine, uh, whether it be probably your computer, is still computationally responsible for computing stuff in the game. However, you're just streaming parts the parts of the game you need at that given moment. So it's a pretty interesting concept. Utomic claims they have 750 games available at the given time. However, I don't really know where this goes from here. I haven't seen hardly any advertisements for Utomic. I don't know how much on the radar it is on the zeitgeist of all the gaming community. And frankly, I don't know if this is the kind of like remote or kind of the game streaming solution that people are looking for. And it's going to be kind of confusing for everyday people to really understand what's going on. So we'll just have to see, I guess, you know, (laughs) that's what I say on everything where I don't know what to say and I don't want to seem stupid. I just go, oh yeah, yeah, we'll just have to see. So next up, Let's get into some earnings reports. I know these are boring. I'll try to fly through them. So Activision Blizzard had a record Q1. The GAAP, um, that's the general blah, 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 blah. Um, The GAAP net revenue is up 14% to $1.97 billion. That's insane. One quarter, $1.97 billion. Crazy. But it's Activision, Blizzard, and King. So, you know, those are three giants of their own industries and king and blizzard actually saw an engagement drop in q1 okay but call of duty world war ii strong performance more than made up for it another interesting thing is digital digital only purchases you know they use this fancy word basically in-app purchases on game services that revenue was up year over year not surprising so even though there's an engagement drop the less players on king and blizzard um games as a services are actually spending more money than they were last year so pretty interesting um good job activision blizzard but there's a little hiccup this week and it's pretty uh pretty interesting what happened there so the down dow jones which is kind of like a market index um i guess company it's it's a way to kind of take top performers in various categories and give an overall score to the entire uh, U.S. stock market. So the Dow Jones accidentally publishes inaccurate and low Q1 results for Activision Blizzard. The Dow Jones published an inaccurate earnings report showing the Activision Blizzard misguidance. Shares of Activision Blizzard immediately fell to 5% before trading was frozen. So they completely froze trading on there and, uh, when they restarted trading by the end of the day, even though they posted their actual Q1 earnings report showing that they beat guidance and they had a great year or a great quarter, shares still ended the day 2.3% down at the end of the day. So, you know, putting on my tinfoil hat, I think someone either really screwed up and is going to get fired at Dow Jones or someone really powerful shorted Activision Blizzard and saw that their earnings report blew their Q1 earnings report out of the water and still wanted to make their money 
and push someone to report an accurate earnings report. And now the SEC will probably investigate this and maybe we'll see some arrests. I don't know. That's just me. I, I always go there. Uh, but the, the most likely explanation is someone, you know, hit the red button instead of the blue button and then the inaccurate report was sent out. Anyways, more uh, business news. Tencent wants to have an acquisition of the week, but hasn't done it yet. So the Korea Herald is reporting that Tencent is looking to purchase an additional 10% stake in PUBG developer Bluehole. So Tencent currently owns 1.5% stake in the company, just like they own some percent stake in every game company somehow. Tencent is looking to drop a crazy $470 million for that 10% stake. So no, neither of these companies have confirmed this. This is all reported by the Korea Herald. Um, so I'll just say that right now. So currently, PUBG is actually getting overshadowed by another Tencent property, Fortnite. So Tencent owns 40% stake in Epic Games, who made Fortnite. And Fortnite is PUBG's biggest competitor. And so even though, like, I read a report this week on mobile, PUBG has way more users, monthly users, than Fortnite. I think it was because it beat Fortnite to mobile platform. But even though they have more users, Fortnite is blowing PUBG out of the water in revenue. And Fortnite's starting to kind of expand to China. And Tencent is kind of holding back Fortnite's competitors in China. So this would be, you know, I'm not a business expert. In my mind, this would be a very smart move for Bluehole to sell that additional stake to Tencent because, um, yeah, you're not going to compete in China and then maybe Tencent can work as an arbitrator to make sure both games succeed because kind of like maybe you have PUBG for the more hardcore, more game mechanic heavy. Well, I shouldn't say game mechanic heavy. For the more hardcore, for the people who like somewhat more realistic visuals, and you have Fortnite for the more casual, more fan-friendly, bright color visuals, and so on and so on. So, like I mentioned again, time and time again, if you want a presence in China, the best, easiest option is to just give Tencent 5 to 20% of your company. So... We'll see what PUBG does. And more earnings report. Glue had a great Q1. $81.4 million in revenue, up 43% year over year. Still had a net loss of $7.2 million, but that net loss was lower than last year's Q1 net loss, which was $22.8 million. And this was all driven by Design Home and Kim Kardashian Game. I'm surprised Kim Kardashian Game still making money. Please stop playing and supporting Kim Kardashian, everyone. And more earnings report. Zynga also had a great Q1. Net profit of $5.6 million, $208.2 million in revenue. This was driven by Words of Friends, CSR2, and Zynga Poker. These three are Zynga's core franchises, as they say. And they drove the majority of revenue and growth as they're Zynga's strongest performing games. And more business news. Mail.ru acquires controlling interests in Bit.Games. So a lot of companies with dots in their titles, and you guys need to stop putting dots in the titles of your company. So Mail.ru, the largest Russian tech giant, 
has acquired 51% of Bitdoc Games. Bitdoc Games is known for a couple of games, but you know, most recently their game Guild of Heroes, and they claim Guild of Heroes is making one million dollars in rep monthly revenue. Mel.ru is known for controlling most of the internet in Russia. I think they control like the three biggest social media platforms in Russia, which I assume are just rip off of America's social media platforms, as well as like internet service providers and search engines and obviously email. So Mel.ru is kind of like Russia's Google and Facebook rolled up into one. They bought this game company. Sure, why not? Finally, we have Steve Aoki and members of Imagine Dragons funded esports team. So, I can think of better ways to light money on fire, but Team Rogue is now funded by musicians. Um, Steve Aoki, who's a DJ, and Imagine Dragons, who's like a band. Um, and Team Rogue has an Overwatch team, a CSGO team, a H1Z1 team. And they've recently expanded into Rocket League, Rainbow Six Siege, and Vainglory. So, yeah, sure. Light money on fire. Go for it, guys. I don't... I really want to have an episode where I break down how people get their money back from these esports teams. Because I, I just don't see it. I just don't see how you put millions of dollars into these esports teams. What? Where do you get your money back? The sponsorships can't be that good. But, you know, what do I know? I mean... I'm just the guy sitting here talking about it. So that's this week in games. Um, please join us next week, and we'll probably have more earnings reports because this was a small trickle of companies, but not everyone reported this week. So pretty interesting week. I'll see you guys later. I'm Eric McConnell signing off. Bye.